Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. You would have seen the announcement during the week that Peter O'Sullivan, he will be joining the Dolphins when they come into the competition in 2023. So he will be doing his best work over the next year, recruiting a heap of players. And this is why I'm so high on the Dolphins. Before you listen to this podcast, I dropped one yesterday where I spoke about the combination of Peter O'Sullivan and Wayne Bennett and why I believe they are going to make the Dolphins successful. Today I'm going to replay for you a little clip. Some of you would have heard it, some of the new listeners that have come on board the Rugby League Guru podcast over the last 12 months wouldn't have heard this interview, but we had Peter O'Sullivan. He came on last year to talk about his career and his story in Rugby League, and it really is incredible. Now, at the time, the New Zealand Warriors, it was the end of 2020, Roger Tuovasa-Shek was still the main man for the Warriors. They'd just come in out of their lockdown that they went into up there in, I think it was Tamworth or wherever it was. So it had been a really troubling time for the Warriors, and you can you can hear at the end that when I spoke to Peter, he was about to see his family and his grandchildren for the first time in six months. And you can hear him get a little bit emotional at the end. It took a real toll on him. Uh, he's done fantastic work at the Warriors. He talks about his career here where he starts off in junior coaching, I believe, in the St. George system. He speaks about a night where... You know, he potentially could have lost his life and it just changed everything. He made the decision that day to leave coaching and to take up a recruitment role at the Melbourne Storm and the rest is history. His time at the Melbourne Storm was sensational. Some of the guys he discovered will blow you away. He tells the story of the first time he found Greg Inglis, the first time he found Israel Folau, and he was the guy that sorted out Billy Slater's first ever contract with the Melbourne Storm. So some very unique bits of rugby league history there. He then made the move to the Roosters and probably his two best sighting, sightings, his most, you know, his two most notable guys that he discovered. One, the first one, Roger Tuivasa Sheck. He tells a story about how he was over in New Zealand watching a tournament there. He was tipped off to watch another kid in Roger's team. He was told he's the best guy in the competition, and he walked away from that field and said to the bloke, 
you know, you're kidding yourself. That isn't the best bloke in this competition. That bloke's not even the best guy in his team. And Roger Tuvasashek was playing on that team. No one had noticed him yet. And he's gone on to be one of the greats and hopefully goes on to be a uh, World Cup winner with the All Blacks. Peter then tells us the story of the first time he spotted Latrell Mitchell. An incredible story, this one. A whole heap of narrative around this one. He actually knew that he wanted to sign Latrell before he even got to see him play. He saw him in a warm-up from the other end of the field and thought, yep, this is the guy for me. An incredible story. I honestly think Peter is the best, has the best eye for junior talent we've ever seen in rugby league. And this is why I think the Dolphins have done such a good job to be able to get him from the New Zealand Warriors. It's going to be a huge loss for the Warriors. And this is the guy that's going to set the Dolphins up, along with Wayne Bennett, of course. We have got Peter O'Sullivan joining us again this week on the podcast, I believe, just sorting out, finalizing some final details on that. But hopefully we will have him joining us this week. But this one here, this is an absolute cracker. I highly advise you tune into this one. You will absolutely love it. And I went full time from '96 on. And those days we had, um, uh, we had four people full time in the footy department. There was Wadey, uh, Max, myself, and Peter McDonald, who was the strength and conditioner. So you know, those days I was reserve grade coach. You know, or flag coach, assistant coach in first grade in the off-season, you know, ordered the sandwiches, ordered the buses, you know, footy manager, you know, recruitment, you know, between myself and Max, we just, you just got it done, you know, so they were big jobs and had a great learning curve as well, you know, so obviously I came in, I had Smitty as head coach, then Wadey and Max, so, so it was a good learning curve for me through that period. And then um, when Saints and Illawarra merged in, uh, was it you know, 99, um, basically lost out half my job. So there was obviously two sets of coaches and I went sort of, you know, I think a couple of pay in half and I was, um, you know, delivering orange juice and three o'clock in the morning working in pubs or, you know, two o'clock in the morning and to get to training by sort of in the afternoon and used to drive a whole crew of players from St George down to Wollongong train. I'd get home at 10 at night and yeah, with two little kids. So it wasn't, it wasn't a great lifestyle. Um, I remember falling asleep in the van one night when I was driving it, uh, coming home from Cogra, and I just sort of went boom, boom, and hit the clips, and I went, oh, boom, and uh, I'd had the offer from uh, Melbourne to go there as recruitment through 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 Chris Johns, as I said, we were, we were good mates growing up together, and and uh, yeah, when I hit those little little bumps on the side of the road, I said, it's time. Is that your story? <laughs> Far out. Yeah, it was, and there was a uh, we got Eddie Ross and. Scotty Geddes and the whole crew of those kids that were playing flag in my team at that stage, Amos Roberts that turned around. I said, you know, uh, no, that was that was too big a too big an ask. So, so I took the job in Melbourne the next day and yeah, basically went from there. So found my little niche that I, you know I loved and you know I needed to finish coaching. I probably when I finished coaching, I probably realised how much I needed to get away from it. And as I said, just found my little niche that uh, so goods worked. Mate, you certainly found your little niche. I mean, I'm looking at some of the names in Melbourne. You, you discovered Greg Inglis, Israel Folau, Billy Slater. Tell me about GI first, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, Greg was uh, Greg was someone who, about at 15, didn't really come under the radar of too many people. So these days, you know, the Bronx were really hard to beat. Para was hard to beat. And trying to get somebody to go to Melbourne in those days was nigh on impossible. It was really tough work, you know. So uh, Mark Murray was in charge at that stage. Um, 
and, you know, Melbourne, you know, you probably wouldn't remember, but even back in those days, you know, the media were crying for Melbourne to be kicked out of the comp and yep. things were on the slide pretty quick after 99. So it was it was tough going, you know. So, so we basically just, I just sort of decided we had to work harder, quicker and younger and to get some elite kids. And, you know, I just went to a pretty obscure game at, at Port Macquarie and, and Greg was there and I sat behind the post and, you know, when he started sort of drifting around the field, he was, you know, peachy-like, I guess, at that stage. You know, we probably didn't end up like that, but he certainly was at that age and obviously played a lot of touch footy and, and he tipped over the top and I, I was sitting right behind the post and he went up to catch the ball and as he put his hand up, he had to pull it under to miss the crossbar and caught it and put it under the post. That'll do me. And um, flew up the next week, signed him with his, uh, with his dad and his grandmother and mum and... and yeah, it was, it was a funny, funny meeting, you know, I was sort of sitting there giving the spiel about how we make you a better person and and I just looked over about halfway through and I said, these buggers aren't listening at all, you know, so I made a bag of kit, bag of kit for him, put the kid over, I said, what do you think? He said, I'll sign. <laughs> so that was it. So he signed that day and um, no manager chased him at that stage through the rep carnivals, so, you know, he sort of went up under the radar and then I think... I think Alan Ganey signed him the next year at 16. He got a tie-up with Preston and, and signed him then. And then he started to, he just started to show what he could, what he was capable of. And, you know, so then everybody was, was on the bandwagon. So, but yeah, he's a special player, special talent. You know, definitely the best athlete I've ever come across in, in my, in, in terms of what who I've brought to the footy clubs, you know. Mate, obviously when he debuted, you know, everyone knew, he was going to be a superstar then. When was the moment that you thought, fuck, like, I've nailed this? Um, probably, yeah, at 16, he was starting to do some pretty special things, but he was pretty blasé with everything. He was he was living in a Kirinara at uh, Newcastle, going to uh, Hunter Sports. Uh, we got him out of there and set him up with a good good family up at uh, Brizzy and put him in that system. Then we went to Wavell. You know, I was always, I was very confident that when he hit the ground at Wavell and got some better support around him and um, some coaching and some, you know, you know, probably a different level of footy than what he's been playing. And, you know, it was pretty, pretty evident that year. I remember a, a game in the Queensland trials. He bounced park at Rocky. He picked up the ball. And I think one of the other scouts said to me, do you think he's going to be big enough? You know, because sort of, <laughs> yeah, he was a skinny kid. And he picked up the ball in the bottom, uh, like right his right hand corner, went all the way across to the left, you know, doing that all the way, and down the sideline and back of the post to the other end. I remember turning, I think it'd be okay, you know. So, so that year really, he, you know, he blossomed, and then the year after, you know, he's playing Q Cup against men, you know, and and I remember he played. Um, I think he, I can't remember whether it was eight games that year or nine games of, of Q Cup. And you know, they rang up and said, he's got to come up for the awards. We said, we're not flying him up for the awards. Like he played eight or nine games. He said, no, no, he's got to come. And so I think he, if he played nine games, he had 27 points. You know, so, so it was, yeah, that year against men, he was, he was phenomenal. Mate, I was talking to a mate yesterday. He's a South Sydney Rabbitohs fan. I said I was talking to you, and he said to say thank you because he said he's the guy that discovered Inglis, and he arrived at South Sydney. He ended our drought. His career was just incredible, wasn't it? amazing player, you know, a great, a great guy, you know, he obviously, you know, he had different stages, you know, where he, you know, in terms of 
you know, going through some personal things, but as a young fellow in training, you know, it wasn't natural to him. You know, uh, I remember he, we took him down to Melbourne for training camps and Craig flogged him. You know, he found out about him pretty quick, you know, and he pulled out of a, pulled out of the, you know, his first session with a crook back, you know, the kid was six foot four and probably, you know, 65 kilos, you know, at that stage and, you know, doing first grade training, you know, so and he pulled out and, you know, when Craig walked past, you know, that'd be any good to me, Peter. I said, you just stick to coaching. I'll worry about this, this side of it. So, so, yeah, so he was the way, you know, things didn't all fall into place as well. So he had to work hard to get there. As I said, that year at Brisbane North and, and Wavell was uh, yeah, a real turning point for him and his life. And as I said, he went on to win lots of comps and do everything in the game. You know, so very proud of him. Mate, obviously, 2007 was a massive year for GI, obviously, but another guy comes along that year, Israel Folau, who you had a big hand in. Tell me about yep. how you found him. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty similar, I guess. We were at Toowoomba at the uh, uh, Queensland Championships, State Championships, and um, that was, I remember I met Isaac Moses for the first day that year. I mean, he was walking around and manager of those carnivals pretty much stand out like sore thumbs you know so they've got the pants on a nice shirt and shoes and the Toowoomba it's uh you know they stand out and I just sort of walked up and I said oh your new manager felt mate and he said yeah yeah I, just, I just met him and I said oh look I'd um you need a hand or you know what I want what I'm looking for and you know you need a hand with you know what I think works in footy players you know give us a yell and we'll you know, have a chat, and he seemed a really nice young man, as he was. And um, and I said, we're watching Med East game, and I said, have you got anyone at the carnival? And he said, oh, I've got this big on the wing. I went, ooh. I said, so my mind started thinking. I mean, ow, oh, this bloke does know what he's doing here. So, so yeah, n- nobody had put their hand up, but at that stage, and the Bronx went that keen. So I said, well, maybe we could do a deal here, mate. So, so we signed him that day for yeah, probably the same as what we signed Greg, five hundred bucks, and you know, four year, four four year deal, and you know, and he just went from he scored four tries in that game, by the way, and um, just uh, he went strength to strength, you know. And I said Greg was the best player I'd ever sort of recruited. I've got no doubt that he was the most ready play, like the most professional. You know, that you, know, you just put him in first grade, and you knew he was just going to handle it, you know. So. We played him in a first grade trial when he was 16 against Parrot Griffith. Broke Matt Peterson's ribs, you know, in a tackle, you know. So, yeah, he, you know, by the way, he wouldn't be allowed to play nowadays, you know. So, so yeah, it was he was phenomenal. You know, he started the year in 07, leading try scorer, won a comp, played for Australia. But, uh, yeah, not a bad first year of first grade. Mate, the last of the Melbourne Storm boys I want to ask you about is Billy Slater. I didn't find Bill as per se. So, Bill walked in the door. Uh, asking for a job. His his uncle worked at North Leagues. Um, so, yeah, he just walked in off the street. He was at the storm before I got there. Uh, I was lucky enough to do his first contract. So I just sort of started. And, and um, he's, you know, he ran out of puff really early, Bill. He had lots of, uh, a fair, fair few errors around him early, early doors. But, yeah, you know, I've never seen anyone work as hard as he worked to come back. And, you know, he had some stages where he was, they're going, you know, go great and drop off a little bit. And then he just came back and he was just, you know, what off season it was, but he just came back at a whole new level of player and worked so hard. And he, you know, 
I mean, there was probably a couple of fullback, fullbacks before him that sort of started to change the fullback role. You know, Brett Hodgson was one, certainly, that, uh, that comes to mind. And, you know, Bill came along and took it to a whole new level. You know, pro- without doubt, one of the best players I've ever, I've ever come across. Incredible player. Mate, tell me about your interactions with Craig Bellamy. Like, I've read a few articles and seen a few interviews with you and you talk about how important the relationship is between the recruitment manager and the coach. Tell me about that relationship. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, again, early days, you know, there was just sort of belly aching one assistant. So now they've got to cast of thousands of those fellas to help them. So their time's probably a little bit more available, you know. So there's, you know, there's a big trust involved, you know, so... I think from a recruiter, you need to know what works for your first grade coach. Obviously, good players for good players. They're going to work for any coach. But, you know, what, you know, what made Craig tick and a lot of what made Craig tick was people who were like himself as a player, you know, hardworking, tough, durable, you know. Um, so there was, he wanted a level of that player in his footy team. And then, obviously, I, I like the athletic type. So, so you know, but there's, there's a level of trust certainly there and, yeah, he's got to know without worrying too much about it that he's going to have good players coming through. So he's got to trust me. And and obviously, it doesn't matter what I do as a recruiter if they're not being well coached, you know. So so Craig's, you know, Craig's the greatest coach in, in the game that I've certainly had to work with, you know. When I've worked with some damn good ones and they're all been very good. But, you know, he's just a phenomenal coach with a phenomenal work ethic. And we had a, we had a great relationship, so... You know, we were very forthright and honest with each other. We'd had certainly had some good Barneys and, you know, and he'd tell me how it was and tell it back and then we'd sort of walk out and get on with it. So, Mate, tell me, how did the uh, salary cap scandal affect your career? Um, not not a great deal, to be honest. Um, you know, it was... I'm not going to go into too much detail, but, you know, the, the 07 part was quite minuscule in in my reckoning, um, there was some stuff that went back, that went back to the 2000s, which I had nothing to do with or anybody in that area had nothing to do with. And then there was sort of a, I suppose, a miscommunication between the NRL and, and uh, our CEO at the time that sort of, you know, escalated things a little bit, but yeah, it was, it was, it was small. I stopped working halfway through 2007 uh, they put Mel put a bit of pressure on me to re-sign, and I was going to the Roosters. Um, uh, my kids are in Sydney, so I was missing out on a fair bit of their life. So, so, so from halfway through seven, I didn't had very little control over things, and I just stayed and gave Billy Ake a bit of a hand, and you know I was pretty confident we were going to win the comp that year. So I certainly wanted to be a part of that before I left. And you know, so obviously there was no change, and then. I remember when it hit, probably 2010, when the actual thing hit. So, uh, you know, the Roosters were great through that time for me. You know, I guess it's the perception of people that, you know, sort of is the, you know, the downside of it. You know, sort of, you know, my, you, kids go through a bit of a bit of harikari, you know, like, you know, you're sort of on the front page of a paper as a as a rat that doesn't really go down too well. And, you know, you know I remember my daughter getting asked um, if, you know, I, that I thought I was a drug dealer, and you know, just ridiculous things like that. So, but yeah, it was it was a tough period, but you know, it blew over reasonably quickly, and, and you know, and I think, well, I don't think the real story's ever come through 100%. So maybe it will one day, but yeah, it, it certainly wasn't wasn't pleasant. But you know, I was very grateful for the Roosters through that period that 
and you cut my back and uh, it was yeah again through those periods you learn uh, who your mates are and and who you who aren't so that was uh, yeah it was it was eye opener as well. Mate, you mentioned how good the Roosters were to you during that period. Obviously, your next move is there. And I remember playing touch football down at Queen's Park one day and there was this kid bouncing around there and, you know, his name started to whisper around this Roger Tuovasa Sheck and they said, oh, this kid from New Zealand, they've pulled him over and he was just amazing from the moment he arrived. Tell me about Roger. He was, yeah. I went over to the uh, New Zealand school carnival and um, I was – one of the Warriors scouts was there and sort of sidled up next to me and said, so, oh, we've got the we've got the number three in this team. He said he's the best player at the carnival, you know, and I was uh, I watched the game for about five or ten minutes and uh, I turned to him and said, maybe he ain't even the best player in this team. And I sort of walked away, you know, and Roger was playing fullback in that team, you know, and so I was pretty focused from that first beat I saw him, you know, so, he, you know, the footwork and I'm just, you know, yeah, I think he had pink boots on that day, so pretty easy to pick up so um yeah so we quickly got a relationship with him and sort of you know one of those things that you know i like doing as i think most clubs are doing now you know you back yourself then not too many clubs would do it in those days to put an offer on the table that gone straight basically straight to first grade or certainly first grade in their second year sort of blew most of the teams out of the water and back yourself that yes it's very it looks very expensive at the start but by the time you get to year or two three it's probably half the value of the contract is probably half what it should be. So, so we backed ourselves and yeah, he come along and as I said, champion kid and amazing player and played twenties for most of that year and got his last couple of games in first grade. And I think he, he stood uh, Brett or Josh Morris on their ears down the bottom corner at SFX and uh, SFS and everyone was, Oh, you know, so he was uh, yeah, just phenomenal player, great person. And, it was probably really tough when he when he left the Roosters. That was a, that was certainly a tough day in my career. Mate, obviously to be able to win premierships, you need you need guys that are on a lower pay packet to play well above that. In and in 2013 for the Roosters, Roger was really that guy, wasn't he? We had a whole host of them that year, mate. To be honest, so um, those days, you know, cap cap management's changed. It was the second tier. Yeah, you know, Isaac Liu played 13 games that year on 15k. You know, so. So and we yeah we would love to have given you some more money but you know, I think it was two fifty k was the threshold of second tier in those days and you could only use that so he was part of that two fifty k and we couldn't give him another cent you know so so yeah we had a lot of players you know Daniel Tupu come along that year so before Christmas Roger was training at left centre and Tupu was on the wing Tupu had never played first grade a year at at Newtown the year before um, come five games at twenties at Parramatta and. You know, so he was on one wing and then Christmas came and Janko bobbed up. And so Rog went to, to the wing with, with Toops. And, um, yeah, obviously Sonny had come in between and, and uh, Maloney had fallen in our laps earlier than that. So all of a sudden we went from uh, some missing links with all these good kids coming through to basically, you know, the, the finished product all just sort of clicked, clicked into place, you know, so... Yeah, that year was, yeah, Rogers on minimum wage, Toops was on minimum wage, Ice was playing there. Trying to, you know, there was a few more. Dylan Knapp, Knapps came along and played some games that year. And it was, there was a lot of people on some, you know, to balance the cap out, as you say. So to get a, to get a good team, you've got to have good young players coming through or, or getting under, undervalued players, second chance players from other teams. And, you know, we had both of that combined with some, 
you know, incredible top end players. So that was uh, that was a, that was a good squad. Mate, it must be pretty amazing for you to be, you know, the guy that found Roger ten years ago, and now he's at the Warriors. You're there yourself, and he's the leader of that club. It must be, you know, a real sort of full circle moment for you. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so I had to you know, a couple of people I've changed, tried to recruit over the years, and you know, changed clubs to end up being with them. So yeah, Rog, you know, basically left to to come back to NZ and start his his life for his family and stayed in Australia. So it was a bit of the opposite, to be honest. So he'd come back to New Zealand to start his life with Ash and start a family. And um, yeah, when I come over, it was yeah, it's a good feeling. So no one yeah, always when you recruit someone at a young age and they, they get to play first grade. You always have that special bond with them, you know. So I saw Joel Thompson on the weekend and the same sort of thing, you know. So you always have that bond. So, yeah, it's, and when you see them be successful in their life, all those guys, you know, not just footy. You know, you see, you know, Roger is his dad and, you know, how he set himself up and his family, you know, it's uh, extremely satisfying. And as I said, to see the person he's turned into and the leader he is, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great feeling. Mate, you talk about that special bond when someone plays first grade. Obviously, your son, Sean O'Sullivan, he's now playing for Brisbane. He started at the Roosters. Obviously, being a recruitment manager yourself when he was younger, what did you see in Sean? Um, we had a couple of recos when he was young. That was that was pretty tough when he was doing that one when he was 10 and 12. So, so he, uh, and then you come back at 14, I was telling somebody the other day, and, you know, he, he was scared stiff, you know, he was... Uh, yeah, as you would when you're 14 years of age and then two recos and you wouldn't run and you wouldn't tackle and, you know, and I said, mate, come on, I said, you got to get your, get your coaching certificate and start coaching. And he said, I said, otherwise, you, if you're going to play, you've got to play properly. So, And then he just got a little bit better, a little bit better at 14 and had a good year at 15 and then things sort of started clicking for him at 16. And he had a really good year in, when he was turning 17. He sort of played behind Nathan and... Jerome in the SG ball team. He only got one game that year, but it was a really good year for him at Penrith. So he's actually a Penrith boy. And he got to train and play with those guys. And the game he played was really good. And then he took over next year and, and they won the SG ball the following year. So we beat Penrith the year before and and they'd won the next year. So as I was talking about, you know, that <clears throat> that coming through winning teams, you know, he was, he was lucky enough to play, you know, New South Wales 18s and 20s in Australia junior roos and all that, Australian school boys, all that sort of stuff. So he played in winning teams, you know. So he actually has that, he has that, you know, knows what winning's about and how to go about it. So, um, you know, things didn't have quite worked for him at the Bronx for a couple of things. He obviously had a, another knee injury, which obviously took 12 months out of him. And I think when he was, he played a game against Cronulla, he got four or five games in a row and, and by half time they were leading Cronulla and it was clear that day to me that it's sort of it's it's clicked for him, you know, and people around him started to work out how they could play. And he's a player that uh he best plays, he helps other people and shows makes them look good, you know. So if he's got people around him moving, you know, it obviously aids the team. And that day he had a really good and he did a hammy on half time at uh at Cronulla and didn't come the second half and so again that sort of set him back and they come back in and had a couple of good games towards the end, and then they left him out for the semi when they got uh, tapped up, and and then he he did his knee that day playing for Brizzy North, so that was a bit of a setback. But you know he he'll be fine going into next year. You know we get another good off season under his belt, and said he you know he's he's a very smart kid. You know he knows his footy inside out, and 
make a decent recruiter one day uh, when his footy footy's finished. That's for sure. Mate, I had um, Rowan Smith on my podcast earlier this year, obviously the coach of the North Devils that he was playing yep. at, and he just said that Sean's footy IQ is through the roof. Yeah, yeah, he's a smart kid. You know, he's always kids that grow up in footy dressing rooms from when they're, yeah, you know, he's grown up since he was a since he was a baby. You know, so but he's heard every Craig Bellamy spray. He's heard that he's heard the lot. You know, so he, he knows what works. And as I said, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he was privileged to have that sort of upbringing, you know, so, and some, you know, some wonderful coaches that helped him as well. So Rowe helped his game enormously. They always had a really good bond when, you know, Sean was probably, you know, 10 or 12, hang around the dressing room when Rowe was there. And, you know, he's a fantastic coach, Rowan, you know, fantastic coach of young players. So, so they had a good bond and, you know, that was, that was a good part of his learning last year to get some, you know, Q cup under his belt with uh, some really good players and good sense of team and, you know, they, they did well. So, you know, all those, all those boys, you know, those coaches played a big part in his life, you know, and uh, Robbo went and watched him play for Penrith and was pretty adamant that he wanted to take him to the Roosters, which I wasn't really overly keen on, you know, given that we had a, you know, I was there at that stage and as it worked out, I wasn't there anyway. So, so it didn't really matter, but, but, you know, he was, uh, he was a Robbo sort of player. And, you know, I think Robbo's term was he, he knows how to play the long game, you know, so, so that was, you know, kick to corners, work them over, you know. You know he understands that that side of the game, you know. So, as I said, things haven't quite worked for him yet, but it's tough and, and keeps working. I'm pretty sure things will work out for him somewhere at some stage. Has it been <laughs> difficult for you at all over the last six or seven years between having your father hat on and your, like, football recruiting hat on when it comes to Sean? Uh, not really. No, no, I'm pretty hard on him. So if uh, anyone will tell you, you know, that... Um, probably his, his harshest harshest critic, you know. So he's had a, got a couple of good sprays over the years off me. So um, not not too many because he hasn't really deserved them because he's a you know, he's a really good kid and works hard at his game. But you know, a couple of stages where I thought he might have been going off the rails, he got a he got a kick in the bum. So yeah, it was good to see that to have that side of it where you you're you're emotionally attached even more so than what you would when you you know when the when the, your player and your club. So yeah, it was. It was it was good fun, you know, and to watch him achieve some of those goals was, you know, pretty special. Mate, the last big name on my recruitment list that you've uh, come across is, of course, Latrell Mitchell. Now, you spoke about Inglis earlier and the comparisons between those two, you know, we've just been hearing it for the last eight years now. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about when you first saw Latrell. Um, it was, yeah, it was, sometimes things just fall in your lap. Um, beautiful partner at the time, so um, she had a... She had she had a work and a lady worked for her in in their office and um and they asked me to go and watch her grandson play. Just said he was keen on his footy, but they wanted to get a realistic idea of whether he had a a, a crack, you know. So it was it was actually St George versus Central Coast. Uh, Matts was at my old stomping ground at Everett Park, which was Pendlestarsel's home ground. And um, so I went down and Saturday morning and yeah and uh. She was sort of, uh, she was with me and so I got to watch warm up and she's sort of talking to me. I said, just quiet. I just want to watch warm up and uh, which is I'm, I'm really big on. I sort of looked at the kid and I thought, uh, yeah, he, he's not too bad, you know. And then uh, I saw this kid wearing number one going through the warm up and went, wow, that was it. So I just said, I'm going to sign that kid. You know, they haven't kicked off yet. I said, I don't care. You know, so they kicked off. I think I waited 10 or 15 minutes and he, you know, just, just head and shoulders above anybody else out there, you know. So 
yeah, she was pretty clear straight away. And he'd missed Newcastle's mats, their squad that year. I'm thinking, what are they looking at here? So basically, and he went to the kids that basically didn't make Newcastle would go to the Central Coast and get a game. And, you know, they weren't a great squad because yeah, they were basically just the, the leftovers that Newcastle you know, didn't want or you know, Manly was strong on the Central Coast at that stage and he's just bobbed up and, you know, was, this, is a, this is a gift from God, basically. So, so it took a little bit of doing. Uh, they played a New South Wales 16 sort of um, possible problems game and they were running late because they'd come down from, from Old Bar and they run it late and I thought, please be late, don't miss the game, you know, so... Because once they see him play, everyone will sort of know how good he is. And uh, he got there late. And he had a carry there that sort of 70, 80 metres. Probably, it, I mean, it was still pretty clear, but it probably didn't sort of blow everyone out of the water. And I was thinking, that's good, that's good. And sort of worked pretty hard, built a relationship with his mum and dad and himself. And, you know, we got the deal done pretty quick. So so he's, um, yeah, he was, you know, clearly, you know, different to Greg, you know. Everyone can obviously see the similarities, but, you know, the trail's the trail, and Greg's Greg, so. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So that uh, for player, you know, some of the things he did coming through in 18s and 20s. And you know, I talked about that ST ball team that won the comp, you know. He was, I think he scored two tries in the last minutes. To Paul Momrowski Paul kicked the goal and, you know, Connor was in that team. So, you know, I was, as I said, I'm big on building those teams and that's the core of it that comes through and, and wins comp for, for first grade down the track, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was yeah, a special young team. And he was certainly the most special. Peter, you said you were willing to sign him when you saw him warming up. What did you see in that warm-up that stood out to you? Well, I'm big on balance, you know, and just, just the way they move, you know. So, obviously, you know, you've got to have more. There's lots of kids with balance who are not tough enough. And, you know, but if you have that, you know, the, it's like the – you know, the good horse that walks around the parade ring that everyone goes, wow, have a look at that, you know. So if you've got an eye for footy you know, and everyone thinks they have, but not too many actually have, you know, you can see it pretty clearly, you know. So he was just, uh, yeah, he was the, he was the Dane Hill of the, of the yard, you know. He just stood out like, like a beacon. Mate, we mentioned four about, you know, the salary cap scandal about that and, like, life hasn't yep. always been easy. And obviously, you know, you were rubbed out of the game there for a few years and, you know... It, yep. Anyone can type that up on Google and see the story and whatever. But on a personal note, how did you deal with that? Oh, yeah, it was tough, yeah. And that was a really dark period of my life, you know. So, you know, but I came out the other side and, you know, there was, like I said before, you find out who your, who your real friends are. And certainly, you know, what you talked about there, like Nathan was, you know, really good through that period for me. Uh, uh, Jonah Brent Reid, um, good, good mates with, you know, he was, he rang most days, you know, uh, two main, yeah, Chris Johns and Anthony Barnes, who was the who's the 20s coach and 18s coach at Saints. You know, some people around me like that who were who were phenomenal for me. And that sort of got me through that period, and you know, so yeah, angry about it, lots of that, and um, you know, disillusioned about that's that part of it. But you know, 
I did, you know, obviously would do things differently. Certainly got an apology off some people that were involved in it uh, from a governing body's point of view, but not probably not the people I wanted to. So, you know, in essence, you know, I was guilty of sort of being around the wrong people that they didn't like, you know, whether that's a crime or, but it's still it's something I shouldn't have done. So, so you know, um, but I learned a lot from that that period of my life. And, you know, I said, uh, I think I said, you know, in a concrete truck at 6am in the morning full of concrete bags sort of helps you realise you how much you love footy and how much you miss it. So, yeah, I was very, very grateful to be back doing what I do and, and doing what I love. So, so yeah, I just sort of basically just had a mindset of just put that in the past and leave it there and park it and, you know, get on with, with um, what I love doing. Mate, was there mornings on the hard labour that you spoke about there where you thought that, you know, your footballing um, career as far as recruitment could have been over? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely was, yeah. So, yeah, I said there were some... There some dim, dark days there, and different stages. I had a <clears throat> I had a bad car accident through that period as well. I was laid up for three or four months. You know, so I was yeah, it was, it was some dark days there. That's for sure. Mate, the last guy I want to ask you about. Um, you know, we, we've already spoken about Sean, your beautiful daughter Jess. She's she's with Matt Lodge, and Matt Lodge has been a guy that in rugby league circles, obviously, he's been quite polarizing over the last few years. He's obviously made his mistakes. He's come out the other side now. Tell me. Like the the man that you know, the father and the husband, Matt Lodge. Tell us about him. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He's a great guy. I tried to take Lodgey to the Roosters when I was there, and um, I'll go back and tell a good story. Um, he played for the Tigers, and um, you know, I I think he Matt would appreciate that. You know, he had probably had a bit of a yeah you know, fair bit of swagger about him in those days, and wanted to be the tough man and etc. And um, Younger brother Jack was in the box with our, our Adam Hardigan, our coach, who was catching twenties that day, and I didn't know. And um, and Paul Momorowski was taking a shot at goal from the sideline, and Matt had got replaced. And I remember the first thing I said when they replaced him: "Thank God they replaced him," you know, because he was he was tearing us apart. Anyway, he walked in between uh, Paulie and the ball as he was kicking, just about ready to kick. He walked in between them, you know, like uh, arrogant, you know. So I wouldn't say that's why he ever played for this club. <laughs> and everyone's sort of looking at me. I'm just looking at him, like, and uh, his, his little brother Jack was sitting in the box. So it was, uh, it was in years, years go, years go by. You know, we have a good laugh about it now. So, and then obviously he went through the troubles he did. I remember when Jess you know, took me out for dinner, and she said, oh, "I'm seeing a friend." I said, "Oh, why didn't you bring your friend for dinner?" And she said, "Oh, you know him." I said, "Well, if I know him, why didn't you bring him for dinner?" And she said, "It's Matt Lodge," and I went, "Ooh, ooh," you know. So. She said, he's a good guy, Dad, as long as he's off the drink and he's a really good person. I said, well, I trust you, honey. So it was, uh, that was it. And, and, you know, and then he was, he was a difficult guy to get to know, to be honest. So guarded. I think that was always his personality even before sort of the, the trouble had hit. So uh, fairly guarded. But, yeah, as the years had gone on and got to know him well and I'm looking forward to seeing him in a couple hours with the two babies. I'm really looking forward to that, and you know he's he's a fantastic partner to Jess, and he's um, incredible dad. So I'm very proud of him, mate. I think the thing that stood out for me for Matt Lodge this year, I remember him doing an interview at the start of the year when it was all really going to shit for the Broncos, and they were getting yep. some hard questions, and, and and you could see that a media manager was trying to pull him away from the interview, and he sort of said like, no. I've got this sort of. I'm going to answer the tough questions. I imagine it's been a hard year for him, but he has been a leader up there. Yeah, no, no, he's been good. Obviously, 
you know, they, they tried to rush him back before he was ready to play the first game. And, you know, and um, as, I said, as you said, you know, he's, he made trying to wide it up. He said, no, we're not running from questions here. And, and um, but, you know, things just compounded and compounded, you know. And he's probably at the stage of his footy career where he's probably taken on a bit of that when he's actually not ready for it either. You know, he needs to just get his, his own game uh, right, you know. So, you know, I sort of said to him after that, I said, you know, you just, you just got to get back to your rehab and sort of try not to take the weight of the world on your shoulders here. You know, the best thing you can do for your footy team is get right and get out on the field. And that didn't eventuate either. So, so obviously had another little crack on the top of his um, uh, fibia. Uh, so, so it was a sort of disastrous year for him. And so I think he felt a fair bit of pressure, you know, in the off season, whether he's going to be captain or not captain and, Etc. So, so I think you know people were looking for for leaders, and you know he was sort of trying to do his best to hang on. But I think in the end it was it was a, it was a tough year, and probably something that he's probably not quite ready for. And I just think if he you know just concentrate on his own game, get himself right, and all that leadership, and, and um, we'll, we'll come to him in a matter of time. And you know because he is. He's certainly, you know, well thought of in that footy club. He's got a great footy IQ, really intelligent with his footy and a really good guy. So, you know, he's, uh, he's a credit to himself and, and I'm yeah, very proud of him. Mate, you mentioned there it's been a tough year for him. I imagine it's been a tough year for yourself in the bubble, away from family, dealing with everything with the Warriors. You know, obviously, I, I just want to say thank you to, you know, the Warriors Club, what they've done this year, and especially your role that you've played in it. Everyone in that club has had to play a role in essentially keeping rugby league alive this year. What you've done has been sensational. Yeah, yeah. As I said, uh, they're coming down in the next couple of hours, so I haven't seen them for six months. So. That'll be fantastic, mate. I uh, I hope you have a great afternoon with the family, mate. You definitely deserve it. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Good Thanks for your time, Peter. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 